Hey podcast listeners, welcome to the podcast Celeb Who, where we tell you the life story of a celebrity and you, the listener, get the opportunity to guess which celebrity that is. I'm your host, Cameron. And I'm your co-host, Alejandra. And you're listening to Celeb Who. Monday again. It is Monday. Monday. <laughs> All right, so we're going to hop into... Who our celebrity was last week, yeah? Yes. Sound good? Okay. So our celebrity from last week was the... Wait, drum roll. I need a drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) Was that that a drum roll or was that shoes left in the dryer? (laughs) So our celebrity was the founder of Honda Motors. His name was Soichiro Honda. So if you have a Honda. So if you have a Honda. Thank you, Honda. Yeah, for being bombed and then like, yeah, I'm still going to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's only like a handful of Japanese motor makers and you knew it wasn't Toyota maker. Mm -hmm. So it was like, if you didn't get this one, you didn't think hard enough. Yeah. I mean, not to be mean or anything, but... I mean, you only had a handful, so you could have at least had a guess. So the first car that they made was the Honda Civic. And obviously, most of the information that was in the episode was pretty vague and obscure enough that I could leave a lot of information the same. So some of the names were the same, and um, his inventions were the same and whatnot. So yeah, his name was Suichiro Honda. It was Suichiro Honda. Suichiro Honda. I'm not. I'm not exactly name. sure how to say it, but I feel like that's all right. You probably butchered it. I, I probably okay. did. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. There was a lot of names that were pretty hard. I went on to a website and I was like, I need Japanese names. Typed it in and I was like, okay, that one looks somewhat pronounceable. But <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Every time I said Chikao, you like laughed, and I, I'm not sure if that's how to pronounce it, but I, I did my best. Chikao. So congratulations to those of you who got it right. To those of you who didn't. I mean, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have another chance this week. So um, remember, uh, Ole is taking a little bit of maternity leave from, you know, researching a the topics. Bit, a little bit of maternity leave. Or a little bit of a maternity <laughs> leave. <laughs> um, and so she's going to be co-hosting. So again, you're stuck with me. I'm yes. sorry. I know you miss her voice. His voice is, he's he's made for the radio, guys. Now, you know what? You know what happened? So last week, I edited the whole video or the whole audio and the Anchor website that we upload through, the editing software sometimes will mess things up. And so when I first posted that, I posted um, a repeat. It was so it repeated a couple of segments. And that is because I do not listen to the episodes after I edit them. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you, I don't do it because my voice to me is irritating. No, we it, have it, so it, many people tell us how he is made for this. Like, they love it. Yeah, my mom. But Hi, mom. Hi, <laughs> <my> mom. <laughs> but it, my, I, can, I can see it, though. Like, I hate the sound of my voice. I think like, most people do. But, you know, I'm going to keep at it just because we do get a lot of listeners. And so they're, we must be doing something right, I guess. Something Something. We have a lot of fun. So thank you guys who listen we to do. us. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to this week's celebrity, our celebrity this week. Do we you will... want a drum roll? No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do drum rolls for uh, big reveals. Just 
So our celebrity this week, we will go ahead and name her Elizabeth. So Elizabeth was born on July 31st in 1965, and she was born in Yate, England. I think that's how you say it, Yate. Like, yeet. <laughs> she was born in Yeet, England, which is uh, near Bristol. So if you know where Bristol is and you kind of know where Yeet is, if you don't know where Bristol is, then you're lost. <laughs> uh, her father, um, in and same spirit, yeah, turned back around. Oh, uh, her her father, same kind of as uh, Soichiro. Um, her dad was an aircraft engineer at the Rolls Royce factory in Bristol, so it's actually nothing like Soichiro. But because they were engineers, I figure I would say that. <laughs> uh, her mother was a science technician in the chemistry department at Whiteian Comprehensive. And two years after Elizabeth is born, uh, her sister Diane, and they just call her Di, is born. And Elizabeth says that her earliest memory in life is the birth of her sister. I doubt she actually watched the birth. Well, but... back then they used to. Okay. Well... Yeah, they used to have the midwives and their younger children and stuff, and they would like help the midwife and stuff. Learn something new every single day. <laughs> Thank you for that lesson. <laughs> yeah, no problem. The family lived in Winterbourne, Gloucestershire, and then they moved to Tutsil when Elizabeth was nine. So Elizabeth was pretty much always obsessed with books and reading, and it was really a hobby that she got from her parents. And she says in a quote, I lived for books. I was your basic common or garden bookworm, complete with freckles and national health spectacles. So her passion for books really inspired her to start writing her own, own stories when she was really, really young. So when she was only six years old, she wrote a book called, well, it was a story called Rabbit. And guess what it was about? It was about a rabbit. It was about a rabbit. About a rabbit who had measles and their uh, friends came and visited them. So Elizabeth does recall her mom telling her that she did a good job. She praised her, her effort in writing that story. And so Elizabeth replies with, well, get it published then. Oh. <laughs> and she realizes now that that was kind of an odd thing for a child to say at her age. But, you know, you love the optimism and just yeah. like the motivation for it. Um, and it may seem elementary, but to write a story at age six, six is is pretty darn impressive if you think about it yeah that's pretty young yeah uh, elizabeth continues to impress and she writes her first novel at the age of only 11 and this was kind of more of a complex um novel uh than obviously about a rabbit with measles <laughs> yeah and it was about seven cursed diamonds and the people who own them so elizabeth says um, in her autobiography that a friend of hers named Sean was also the only person who thought I was bound to be a success at it, which meant much more to me than I ever told him at the time. So it seems that her potential as a writer was pretty apparent to, you know, most people yeah, who knew her. People. Yeah. So Elizabeth's parents, though, um, school was really the most important thing. And becoming a writer as a career option for her was not really something in the stars you know mm -hmm. so they both came from impoverished backgrounds and they figured that being a writer just couldn't pay the bills you know pay the mortgage or even get her a pension so growing up elizabeth says i wasn't particularly happy i think it's a dreadful time of life when she recalls her teenage life that was just kind of difficult yeah and 
To make things even worse, at age 15, Elizabeth's mother is diagnosed with MS, which is multiple sclerosis. I'm sure you know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, according to Mayo Clinic, MS is a potentially disabling disease of the brain and spinal cord or central nervous system. In multiple sclerosis, the immune system attacks the protective sheath that covers nerve fibers and causes communication problems between your brain and the rest of your body. So eventually the disease can cause permanent damage or deterioration of the nerves. So after Elizabeth finishes school, so you know like elementary and then I don't know exactly what the schooling system is like in the UK. I've heard some stuff about it, but um, I heard it's it's a little different than ours, but it is. It's a yeah. lot more structured too, but I just mean when she was done with whatever they call it before um college Mm -hmm. Um, she finishes that and she was encouraged by her parents to study French at the University of Exeter and although she says now that she kind of regrets studying French um, and she would have preferred to study something like English you know Mm -hmm. uh, she said that studying English would have been way more useful which makes sense for an aspiring writer yeah Um, while studying at the university Elizabeth reads so many books that wasn't even required by any of her classrooms really that she ends up racking up 50 pounds of overdue books at the library oh my gosh but i mean that's somebody who loves to read yeah you know yeah one of her courses at the university also has her um go to paris uh, where she studies for a whole year which is pretty cool i'm not gonna lie i would have been down to study abroad yes right I'm on that plane right now. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Um, Elizabeth tweeted about that experience saying, I lived in Paris for a year as a student. It's one of my favorite places on earth. So she must have had a good time while she was there. After graduating from Exeter, Elizabeth moves to London where she begins a job at Amnesty International. And what that is, is it's a organization that's focused on human rights Mm -hmm. and it's not a part of the government or anything um so it's kind of an organization independent of the government and elizabeth loves that job and she's pretty passionate about the work that they were doing and she says there in my little office i read hastily scribbled letters smuggled out of totalitarian regimes by men and women who were risking imprisonment to inform the outside world of what was happening to them so it sounds pretty intense yeah yeah that's crazy and later she said my small participation in that process was one of the most humbling and inspiring experiences of my life And although Elizabeth enjoys what she was doing there, she couldn't get herself to really focus 100% on that job. And she found herself finding pretty much any opportunity she could to write her stories. And she said that she liked having a job with a computer, basically so she could continue to write stories. That's great. Yeah. And she remembers, you know, when they were having their meetings and stuff like that with everybody, (laughs) that she would just wander off and... Um, write stories during those meetings. That's funny. Yeah. And in 1990, Elizabeth would conceive her greatest work in the most unsuspecting place. Now that the kids are off to school, you probably have more time to spend in your workshop, which means now is the perfect time to check out Cucamonga Woodworking. Cucamonga Woodworking offers sturdy silicone mats that protect your project from damage that can happen when gluing, sanding, or chiseling. With a silicone mat, cleanup is a lot easier with wood glue peeling right off of that mat. 
Buy the perfect gift for your husband, dad, or even yourself. Check out Cucamonga Woodworking, that's C-U-C-A-M-O-N-G-A Woodworking, at cucamongawoodworking.com. And if you buy now on Amazon, your second purchase will be 15% off. They're currently working on getting more in stock on their website, so currently the best place to buy would be Amazon. So don't wait any longer to get your own silicone mat from Cucamonga Woodworking. So while waiting for a delayed train, Elizabeth begins to create characters and form a book that she has in her head. But unfortunately, she didn't have any pen to write the ideas down. Oh no. Yeah, every writer's nemesis, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a pen. What am I supposed to do? Her computer. <laughs> well, I don't think she had one at that time. <laughs> yeah. Those big old computers just carry one around on yeah, a train. <laughs> right. So I think anybody in that situation would probably just ask somebody to borrow a pen, right? Well, apparently Elizabeth is a little too shy to ask anybody for a pen. Oh, no. Yeah. So as soon as she gets back to her flat, though, she begins writing the book immediately. And she's, you know, extremely enthusiastic and excited about the idea. However, it wouldn't be three years until she finishes that book. So let's fill in the space in between the finishing of the book and the conception of the book. So New Year's Day of 1991, Elizabeth gets a call from her dad. And honestly, it's a call that I think is everybody's worst nightmare. So her mother has actually passed away from MS. Yeah, so she and her mother were very, very close. And Elizabeth remembers the moment she found out about her mother's death. She says, Dad called me at 7 o'clock the next morning, and I just knew what had happened before he spoke. As I ran downstairs, I had that kind of white noise panic in my head, but could not grasp the enormity of my mother having died. Barely a day goes by when I do not think about her. There would be so much to tell her, impossibly much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Everybody's worst nightmare. Everybody's worst nightmare, yeah. It's very, very sad. So Elizabeth, at this point, kind of gets tired of her work at the Amnesty International. And she takes a job teaching English in Porto, Portugal. And so I'm thinking maybe it's kind of her way of getting away from the chaos and, you yeah. know, kind of what's happening. Yeah. Um, while she's there, she does meet um, Antonio and they get Ooh. married. Antonio. 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 No. Not Banderas, but just Antonio. I, <laughs> I don't know. You're Mexican. You should be able to do this. <laughs> I'm white and I just, I had that good flair. Antonio. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> In July 1993, Elizabeth has a daughter, and in November of that same year, she and her husband just split up. Yeah, so apparently they had some kind of explosive argument, and it resulted in Elizabeth getting thrown out of the house. I don't think physically, but she was thrown out by Antonio. <laughs> what a gentleman. Right? Gosh. Yeah. So the next month, though, she moves back to England in Edinburgh, and with her, she has a suitcase that is just filled with stories about the protagonist of that book that she's been conceiving and now is the time that she really dedicates every minute to her book so she stays at cafes you know various different cafes uh, to write for hours and sometimes she brings her daughter who will sleep next to her and dedicating so much time and effort to her book came at a price though because at this time elizabeth is not working and so she's not really pulling in any money. So Elizabeth and her daughter are living off of government assistance. So it's the equivalent of um, welfare yeah. to uh, the United States. 
She says, I couldn't have written this book if I hadn't had a few years where I'd been really as poor as it's possible to go in the UK without being homeless. We were on welfare, what we call welfare, I would call benefits for a couple years. So along with money problems, Elizabeth slips into depression and she recalls that she even has suicidal thoughts. So she says, we're talking suicidal thoughts here. We're not talking, I'm a little bit miserable. Mid-twenties life circumstances were poor and I really plummeted. And she took these feelings that she had, so this depression, and she used it for an inspiration for a particular like group of characters in her book. So she writes the characters with that feeling in mind. In 1995, Elizabeth finally finishes her book and hires an agent to get it published. So she hires this small, like very, very small agent mm-hmm. um, to try to get it published. Yeah. So a whole year after that and 12 rejection letters later, the book finally gets published by a young publishing company named Bloomsbury. So the deal was to print about 500 copies and she would get, uh, by she I mean Elizabeth would get 2,400 pound advance payment she also was told to pick kind of a pen name for herself because the that publishing company felt that if boys found out that it was a female writer that they wouldn't really want to yeah. read it. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to give her kind of a more, you know, unisex kind of author name or pen name, I guess you could say. I've actually, I've heard of a lot of authors back then that used to use like men names yeah. to get their stuff. Yeah, yeah I think that was pretty common for female writers. Yeah. In 1997, her book is finally in print, and only two years after its release, so we're talking 1999, the book has already sold over 300,000 copies in just the UK alone. She then sells the book to Scholastic in the US, and that's for an unprecedented $100,000. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but at the time, that was a lot of money. So the second book was released in July 1998 in the UK, And that same year, Warner Bros. bought the film rights to the movies for the first two books. So at this point, she's writing a book like every year. (laughs) She's staying on top of it. So Elizabeth Elizabeth signs a seven-figure deal for those films. In total, she writes seven books for that series, and all of them have their own movie adaptation. And the films have become the highest-grossing franchise. Back in the UK, Elizabeth became the first billionaire, but she quickly loses the title of billionaire because, get this, she gives so much money to charity that she's no longer a billionaire. Aww, good for her. If you have so much money you don't know what to do with it, give it to charity. Yeah, really? Jeff Bezos, I'm calling you out. Oof. (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of the companies or the organizations that she's giving um, this charity money to is, you know, for MS, obviously for her mom. And I know she's created an organization in her mom's name um, for multiple sclerosis uh, research, which is awesome. Yeah, Um, She also also gives to anti-poverty, you know, because she went through, you know, being in poverty with her daughter while she was writing her book. So I feel like she gives to a lot of causes that she relates to. So the series in total is actually translated in over 80 different languages. So it's worldwide. Yeah. And she sells over 500 million copies worldwide. And she's written a whole lot of other books along with that. Some of them spin off, some of them, you know, her own ideas. 
But really, the rest is history. Thanks for listening, and as always, use the hashtag CelebWho to tell us who your guest is. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CelebWhoPodcast, and consider joining and giving to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash CelebWhoPodcast. This will help us to upgrade our equipment to keep our episodes as high quality as possible. Thank you to our dedicated listeners. Talk to you next week.